Hey everybody, so due to the holidays and uh, some of the stuff we were doing, our schedules didn't line up, so we weren't able to uh, get together to record a full episode for this week. But uh, here's a little tiny baby boy episode. I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and then walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty-gritty so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... The Jersey Devil. What is the Jersey Devil? Well, he's one of the world's most famous cryptids, from an old wise tale to a global phenomenon. Today, we're going to examine the origins, permutations, and legacy of one of the world's most beloved and feared New Jersey residents. Did you know My Chemical Romance's original band name was the new New Jersey Devils? One dark and stormy night, many, many years ago, Mother Leeds cried out in anger and pain. She was pregnant, and this birth, the 13th child she had born, was the most painful she had endured. As the infant tore at her in its quest to leave her body, she screamed out five fateful words, let it be the devil. Perhaps the Lord of Darkness heard her because the cursed baby sprouted bat wings and a forked tail as it exited the womb. The midwife cried in terror at the baby's face. It had the eyes and horns of a goat. Greatest of all time, baby, greatest of all time. Twelve children roamed the village of Leeds Point in the early 1700s. The townsfolk would smile at any of these Leeds children as they passed by. They were happy peasant kids, always ready with a smile and a melodic hello. Everyone wondered how good children could possibly be the offspring of Mother Leeds, the matriarch of the town, a bitter, resentful woman. She was often seen berating her husband, a man more often drunk than not, and complaining about everyone in the village. It was believed that she spent her nights under the full moon with the devil himself. And perhaps she did, as her 13th child was born a monster and has been terrorizing the area ever since. Under that full moon, she met up with the devil, and to quote a great man, the devil said, We go fuck. Reports of a winged creature standing on two hoofed feet began almost immediately, as the satanic offspring of the wicked mother leads found a need to feed. I'm feeling a need, a need for feed. Hell yeah, top devil. Jersey gun, dot top devil, that doesn't, yeah, I got nothing. Highway to the river sticks. Not able to suckle at the teat of his mother, the creature was bound to ravage the countryside. Livestock, pets, and small prey were found shredded and devoured. People grew fearful of the shadows, lest they grow wings and fly, or even more terrifying, fly towards them. Was Mother Leeds a witch? Speculation on this spread throughout the village, like an infected rat poisoning many against her. Her fits of anger, her mysterious disappearances, and the strange disasters that seemed to haunt the town fit this theory. Giving birth to the Jersey Devil, a winged monster able to kill and destroy at will, seemed to make perfect sense. If she was a witch, then her child was likely the cursed son of the devil 
cloven feet, a goat's head, large bat wings, a forked tail, and blood-curdling screams could easily be the product of such an unholy union. So the question is, was Leeds Point cursed? Before Mother Leeds, the land belonged to Daniel Leeds, a surveyor from the British Crown. In 1687, Daniel published astrological symbols in his almanac, symbols called blasphemous by his fellow Quakers. The more his neighbors complained, the more his publishing filled with demonology and the occult. Did he meet with Satan? Is it possible that he introduced his family to witchcraft, maybe leading Mother Leeds to Satan himself? His son, Titan Leeds, continued publishing his father's strange writings, and the almanac became so popular it competed with another rival publisher, Ben Franklin. Franklin published a prediction of Titan's death, starting a war of words. He continued his battle, claiming that Titan had indeed died, and it was a ghost that was printing this almanac. I kind of love that idea. Fucking, fucking got him. You ain't Titan. Got him. You a ghost. <laughs> You're a fucking... L listen, Titan leads, he fucking died, and a ghost is publishing this, which at, at one point, by one point is like a vicious roast but also by another is just badass like that's dope there's a fucking ghost printing an al uh, writing an almanac that's that's the shit yeah i love it i i fucking love it this was like the this was like the eminem mgk feud of this time just two white dudes laying into each other does that make titan mgk or eminem i feel like he's probably mgk right yeah he's mgk for sure titan began to post his family crest inside the almanac a bat-winged dragon-like creature standing on two legs commonly called a wervin this crest seemed almost identical to the jersey devil was there a history of monsters in the Leeds family or was this image just a spark that grew into a legend? Did Ben Franklin help create this monster? Or did he merely call it out into the open? After Napoleon Bonaparte was defeated in his conquest of Europe, his brother, Joseph Bonaparte, fled France and purchased an estate in New Jersey. It was there in 1820 that Joseph claimed to have seen the Jersey Devil while on a hunting trip. 20 years later, local livestock was found ripped apart by some creature, a creature whose horrid screams could be heard miles away and who left nothing behind but corpses and odd tracks. On May 7th of 1909, the local paper, The Press, wrote the story of Captain Dowdy, an experienced fisherman who claimed to have fought the Jersey Devil while he fished off Rum Point near Atlantic City. Returning after a successful haul, his boat loaded with fish, the captain was attacked by a winged creature. Using his oar as a weapon, the terrified fisherman lashed out, swinging his oar back and forth, hitting the flying beast several times until it flew away with a screech. When he told his tale, he made sure to say that he almost didn't survive the battle. Was this the Jersey Devil simply hungry for fish and a boat filled with them that made the creature bold enough to attack? Or was it really the sea captain the beast was after in the first place, hungry for a taste of human flesh? Or was it a fucking owl? Yeah, or was it, I don't know, like a hawk? Here's a, here's a question because this this is really interesting. Just think, just sort of seeing this laid out like this is I'm really thinking about this for the first time. But I feel like is there is there any other cryptid that is has its origin like this rooted in sort of like religion and like sort of like satanic tropes? Because I feel like most cryptids are almost like they exist in a vacuum of secularism. Like a lot of cryptids are 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 all about sort of like this more like sort of uh th this 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 more kind of uh secular su supernatural mysticism and they're almost like they're almost like an answer to religion where in like an, an increasingly secular world we create mythology to replace 
religious myth mythology. And that, and that and I think that's true for a lot of things in storytelling, but I see cryptids as almost like in a in a in this world that's increasingly more secular, we have to come up with stories that replace the stories that used to be told from from the Bible. But this, but but this one is like very specifically, it's almost like a middle grade. It's like in between a cryptid and then like more kind of like religious folklore. Yeah, it's interesting because if you go back far enough, like most monsters or cryptids start in some religious place, but then they quickly get sanitized of that, right? Like vampires, they were started and propagated largely due to the Catholic Church and its fear of Jews and, you know, the Romani people. But I'm talking more about like, because I mean, yes, 100 percent, but I wouldn't I wouldn't call Dracula or I couldn't call I wouldn't call Dracula's uh, cryptids. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about more like Slenderman, uh, fucking Bigfoot, Jersey Devil, Mothman, so on and so forth. Well, Mothman, I mean, he gonna fuck. I mean, 100%. I mean, that's not religious. I mean, it, it, I'm sure it's a religious experience when you're having it. Can you imagine getting railed by the by the Mothman? I'd be like, hell yeah. Yeah. My, I, I, I can't even think of any religious songs to make this joke. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because there, there are, I feel like there are a lot of... He's got his whole dick in my ass. He's got his whole dick in my ass. <laughs> I feel... No, but I think that's an interesting point, though, of like, I think there are a lot of monsters <laughs> that, that start from a religious point of view and then get sanitized, right? But they don't, they don't uh, pervade in culture the way that the Jersey Devil has, you know. And uh, and I think the Jersey Devil also maybe is not the same as it once was. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like at one point he was like an A-list cryptid and now he's like solid B-list, you know. And I, I was I was literally just going to say, but I feel like maybe that is because of the religious element of it. Because like the other the other cryptids are much more accessible to most people because i you know i think i think that with like conspiracy theorists and people who are really into weird conspiracy shit like half of them are like uber religious like puritans and half of them are like completely agnostic or atheist people who don't trust like mainstream religion and think that it's part of like some grander indoctrination so something like bigfoot or mothman they have this sort of like generic, non-offensive, supernatural element to them that d- isn't rooted in, in religion. And so it's like something that anybody can adopt because you can kind of fill it with whatever you want. You can make it religious if you want, or you can just a- avoid that part of it or avoid, you know, any religious mysticism. But with the Jersey Devil, the whole thing is almost it's like it's it's rooted in like Puritan, Purit, Puritan, Puritanism from the 1700s alongside, you know, the fucking other deeply puritanical things that were happening at that time. Yeah, because like witches obviously are very steeped in that, but it's not like there is a I mean, other than like, you know, the Salem witch trials, which is like a, a horrible real world thing. It's not like that spawned like old Jennifer, the witch of all witches, you know. I love that though. I fucking love old Jennifer. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was a big old Jennifer stan going way back, you know. Uh, yeah, but I mean, even even in uh, where Andrew was from, you know, like Roswell, like that that in some ways it's interesting because it's almost like a secular paranormal mecca because Roswell, you know, it is obviously a secular thing where you know the the crash, the UFO crash in whatever fifty four, fifty two, whatever it was. Um, the whole town has alien UFO iconography all over it. 
you know, UFO watchers and hunters go there every year for a massive convention. Like it's it's this very well identified place that has to do with UFOs. And it's taken on all of the trappings of the, you know, traditional Judeo-Christian uh, American kind of institution, you know, what, regardless of what the literal religion that you subscribe to is, that place has now become shrouded in dogma that mirrors a, you know, a, a Christian uh, approach to um, worship very, very similarly, which is fascinating. Yeah. And, the, and, and you can you can instill it with with religious mysticism if you want, because, there's you know, there's people that believe that, like, aliens are angels and that, like, you know, UFO sightings are, are you know, people's having religious exper- experiences and like touching God, basically. Uh, but but yeah, the the core the core sort of phenomenon doesn't have that built into it, so you don't have to incorporate that if you don't want to. And yeah, so it's like it, it, it's it's inoffensive in a way where you can get the most amount of people congregating together to form communities around it, have conventions, uh, you know, communicate online without it getting into that messy territory that some people would not want to engage with. Whereas, yeah, like the Jersey Devil, it's just it, the whole thing is rooted in it just feels very adjacent to like the Salem Witch Trials type tropes. Like, oh, this evil woman who birthed a demon or whatever that was like the devil's child. Whatever the answer, the captain had a torn coat and bruised arms as proof of the attack. But at least he still had his life. Which begs the question, why would such an unholy creature haunt New Jersey? Doesn't New Jersey have enough tragedy without supernatural ones adding to them? It may be that the land had its power beyond our mortal imagination. New Jersey played host to the pirate Captain Kidd, whose ghost haunts the land, searching for treasure buried in pine barrens. Warren County has a road called Shades of Death Road, where people have seen the dead walking in the frequent mists and a sea serpent that was spotted in Lake Hopakong in 1894. A black dog with glowing eyes haunts the land. Thought to be the pet of the devil, black dog legends in Europe tell that to see the hound means death is coming. But New Jersey's black dog seems peaceful, maybe curious, at least so far. That's how you know the devil is a millennial, because whenever he's hanging out with his pet black dog, he's like, come here, doggo. Come here, puppers. Hashtag adulting. Ghosts and demons seem to choose this land and tragedy haunts this original colony of the United States. The Nixon Nitration Works explosion in 1924 that entirely destroyed the town of Nixon, the Hoboken Dock Fires in 1900 that killed more than 300 people, and of course, the famous Hindenburg disaster in 1937. Is this land cursed, inviting bad luck and evil spirits? Is the Jersey Devil a natural product of this land filled with darkness? New Jersey was the home to a large population of Native Americans before they were decimated by disease brought by early Europeans. Those remaining often found themselves competing for land and resources with foreign guests, often with bloody results. It is possible that the land holds ghosts of these tragedies, that a spiritual force binds good and evil to the barons of New Jersey. Perhaps the devil himself walks the land, feeling the power of darkness as if it was his home. Or people saw some fucking owls. Act 
2, The Legacy of the Jersey Devil. Humans are fascinated by stories of darkness and urban legends that keep us up at night. The shadows beyond our vision hold our imagination. The more dangerous, mysterious, and evil something may be, the more we desire to see it, to be terrified by it, to capture it. Maybe we simply want to control our own fate. So it should come as no surprise that the Jersey Devil has wormed its wicked way into our heart and our culture. When the Colorado Rockies, a national hockey team, left the safe confines of Colorado and moved to New Jersey, it was inevitable that they would be renamed the Jersey Devils, a name chosen by a poll of its residents. On July 13th, 2021, the Jersey Devil Coaster opened in Six Flags in Jackson Township of New Jersey. A 130-foot drop offers the horrific thrill you might experience if you fled the embrace of the devil himself. Your screams would likely emulate the sound of the beast itself. The great Bruce Springsteen, a New Jersey native, eulogized the monster with his song, A Night with the Jersey Devil. And then there's this. Devil in Jersey City by not 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 Jersey natives, New York natives, Coed and Cambria. Uh, Spandrew, what was your what was your first experience with the Jersey Devil? When did you first encounter this? Guy? Um, yeah, I actually. So let me let me just look this up real quick because I don't remember the name of this. Uh, yes. Okay. So my my first exposure to the Jersey Devil is actually I, I feel like on this show when we've talked about cryptids before whether it was Andrew or me, um, we both have kind of had similar experiences with most of the other like cryptids and mythical creatures we've talked about where it's like, oh, I was like interested in this stuff when I was a kid and I like read about Bigfoot or Mothman or whatever. Uh, but I actually didn't really ever hear about the Jersey Devil, um, maybe for the reasons that we were discussing before, where it just didn't really exist in the same hemisphere as the rest of the cryptids because it was it had such a sort of like puritanical edge to it. Um, so I actually never heard about the Jersey Devil or maybe I heard the name, but just didn't really put too much thought into it until maybe like a maybe like a decade or so ago. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like that long ago, but it also wasn't that recently. Um, but I saw this movie called The Last Broadcast, um, and it came on HBO or something like that. And so this is the description of this. Um, the Last Broadcast is a 1998 American horror film written, produced, and directed by Stefan Avalos, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, told in a mockumentary format and employing the found footage technique, the fictional film appears to tell the story of a man convicted in 1995 of murdering his team of people one night during an ex expedition to find the mythic Jersey Devil in the uh, New, Jer New Jersey Pine Barrens. Um, now, this was this movie came out in 1998, very obviously uh, uh, sort of um, inspired by the popularity of the Blair Rich Project, very obviously intended to sort of capitalize off of that new phenomenon. So it's like a mockumentary movie that's set up to make it seem like it's real, um, mockumentary is a bad term, I feel like, because it's not a mockumentary. It's like it's like the Blair Witch Project. It's, it's supposed to be like it's a real thing where there's a guy who goes out 
uh, he, he's like a cryptid hunter or whatever. He goes out with a team of people into uh, the forest to try to find the Jersey Devil. Everybody gets killed except for him. And then there's a guy who's making a documentary about that guy and the disappearances. And then while he's out in the woods with his crew filming and making this documentary, they start seeing stuff. And basically the thrust of the movie is like, oh, maybe it really was the Jersey Devil that killed all these people. And then this guy was just falsely accused of this because he was there. And obviously nobody would believe that a monster killed these people. And while this was sort of like a, a Me Too of the Blair Witch Project, it has a, a mechanic in it that is way more interesting than anything that the Blair Witch Project did and also makes it stand out as like a genuinely interesting movie. And I don't want to spoil it because like I wish I could just tell you because otherwise, why am I talking about this? But I don't want to spoil it because it's genuinely cool and it would ruin it to tell you. So all I can say is like the last broadcast is actually a really cool movie and I would highly recommend checking it out. And also, this is the first time I ever heard about the Jersey Devil. And it was like in it was like in 2008 or something. Yeah, my my exposure to the Jersey Devil comes from the uh, fucking the uh, hockey team. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, they're called the Devils. That's cool. And then I think one of the kids at school or something was like, yeah, you know, because of the Jersey Devil. I was like, ah, what? You, you know, the, the, the Jersey Devil, like the, the devil that lives in New Jersey. And I was like, is this like a, <laughs> is this like a thing? Like, well, I don't understand. He was like, yeah, you know, it's like a monster. There's like a monster, the Jer- Jersey Devil. And I was like, oh, all right. Weird. That's when I, that's when I first kind of found out about it. Because, yeah, I, you're right. You know, he's he's kind of in a little side bucket you know it's like it's not uh it's not your it's not your big and your big guns it's not your sasquatch or your yeti or your uh, chupacabra or you know whatever um yeah but i i and i think the other thing that has caused him to slide in popularity is that he there there aren't modern day hoaxes that or you know sightings you know what i mean like it's all stuff from hundreds of years ago you know there's every once in a while there's a guy that's like i said i done saw the jersey devil and you're like, mm, did you though? Yeah, well, as I as I kept alluding to, like, because there there have been some modern day sightings. Like, there's a there's a History Channel mini documentary about a specific sighting in like the the early 2000s that kind of like re sparked interest in the Jersey Devil. But like, you watch it and you're just like, yeah, you saw an owl. Like, you just saw a fucking owl. That's it. Well, especially because like a lot of the stuff with both the Jersey Devil and black dog sightings too is like. They done dead had eyes that gloated. And it's like, well, you know, like animal eyes and human eyes too. Like what you're seeing is like blood vessels reflect refracting the light. Like it's not. Yeah, there's there's a thing. There's a thing that's in. I forget the term for it, but there's a thing that's in human eyes that mostly prevents that from happening. Like it still happens sometimes, but we have a thing in our eyes that makes it where we don't get that red glow in the light. But animals don't have that. So when you flash lights in an animal's eyes, they glow the color of the light. Yeah, I, I mean, it, uh, it's uh, it's fascinating, though, the like the way that these kind of ideas spread and evolve and how the Jersey Devil, you know, Sasquatch has been twisted and mutated into a hundred different things. Uh, and we did a whole episode about the initial, you know, the Zupruder film of the Sasquatch that if the listener hasn't heard, they should. Uh, it's a very interesting episode all about how Sasquatch fever really took off. Um, but but like, uh, you know, Jersey Devil doesn't really have that. It doesn't have a, a modern day standard bearer. It doesn't have somebody who's like picked up the cause of 
uh, the Jersey Devil and been like, we're going to make this guy popular now and make a bunch of money off of him. Which I think is because of what I was saying before, what we were saying before, which is like the people who you you in order to capitalize off of a cryptid, you sort of have to own the mythology, right? Like all of the people who have popularized cryptids and become known as like foremost experts on those things invented a large chunk of the mythology and you can kind of see that there's like a before and after where it's like this used to be one thing and then this one specific person made up all of this mythology around it in order to become the expert and that's what happened with the mothman the mothman had like a very simple origin story which was essentially just like some people saw some owls and then this one guy wrote the the Mothman properties, prophecies, the Mothman prophecies, and he invented like ninety percent of the Mothman lore. With the Jersey Devil, John John A. Keel, by the way, that's the writer's name. Yeah, with with the Jersey Devil, you can't do that because it already has its own inbuilt mythology, which is just religion. It's a it's a specific Christian folklore tale about the son of the devil you that you can't make up mythology around it and there could be some sort of like religious doomsday grifter type people who could appropriate the story and turn it into their own thing or whatever and be like this you know the the jersey devil's real or whatever but i think that the reason why that hasn't happened is because for the most part even the even to those people the idea of talking about like the son of the devil living on earth and like living in the woods is too out there it's too crazy uh i don't remember if i ever heard the the team named the new jersey devils but uh yeah if if i had heard that i would have been moderately interested in sports if i knew that there was a team called that um but i just i just had to mention this real quick because on a slightly similar note uh because as as if you uh if you might remember uh it's been it's been canonically established that i was also from uh new mexico um, in growing up and I moved to New York instead of California. Um, so whenever I was a kid, um, I was homeschooled, but before I was homeschooled, I went to an elementary school in Dexter, New Mexico, which is 30 minutes outside of, outside of Roswell. And looking back on it, I find it very fat surprising that this is even the case. Cause you would think that people would have an issue with this. Um, but the mascot for my elementary school, which was the one elementary school in Dexter, New Mexico, there's only one. And we were the Dexter Demons. Hell yes. And, th- and this was our mascot. It was just the devil. Oh, man, that rules. Our mascot was just Satan. That is so much cooler than any mascot for any school I ever went to. Yeah, so this was one of them. And there was also this other secondary mascot. Uh, it was, it was, that little chibi. Yeah, it was this one here. Um, but this was the other one. There was two. And I don't know which one. I don't know if like one was like an older one and then they just had both or something like that. But we had this on some things, but then we had this on other things. And uh, yeah, we were the we were the Dexter demons. I love our, this. Our mascot was just Satan himself. I'm trying that, to go to Dexter, man. I'm trying that's to be just, a Dexter demon. That's just about, that's like probably the coolest mascot for a school there is, I think. Yeah. I love the fact that it's like an old school, like uh, Anton LaVey demon face too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just like the stereotypical, like Satan with horns and then like a Salvatore Dali mustache and then a goatee that the kind that you would get as like a costume. Yeah. I'm so into that. It looks fucking rad as shit. And like I said, I didn't I didn't think much of it at the time, but it's like surprising that that was even the case, because you would think that some people would be like freaking out about it and pearl clutching about a school being called the demons. 
Um, and I and I also wonder, I think it seems just from Googling it, it seems like it's still called that, which is also interesting. But yeah, it's it's probably the coolest school mascot of all time. The uh, the history of the Jersey Devil is really interesting to me, too, about how kind of it it starts as this like stereotypical kind of old wives tale of, you know, mother leads and leads point. She has the 13th child that she has ends up being this like bizarre, you know, deformed creature, which may or may not be a demon. You know, there's so these like scandalous rumors that she's, you know, a witch and going out at night and, you know, enjoying some private time with the devil himself. We go fuck. And then that that folklore kind of catches on and the idea of the Jersey Devil, this kind of like bastard son of of Satan haunting the surrounding area of New Jersey is also just really funny to me. And like, why would the devil be in New Jersey? It's like the Garden State, the Garden State. That's where the devil's going to hang out. All right. I mean, and it's funny, too, because, I mean, obviously the whole the, the entire story is rooted in this like misogyny of like this evil woman who just like brought Satan into our world with her womb or whatever. But it's but it's funny to me because this idea like of this witch woman who goes out to a field to like fuck the devil and then have this devil child is supposed to be this like negative bad thing. But I'm rock hard over here. Like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is like. <laughs> Like, I'm just saying, a sexy witch woman and a goat-like monster getting it on in the field. Jesus. You're just, like, searching, like, pilgrims, guys with big buckles on their shoes, bukkake. I mean, don't type B into my Google search. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I wish there was, you know, he's, the Jersey Devil's been in a couple movies. Like, there was a movie, I think, called, like, The Barons, which is you know, like a Jersey Devil movie, the movie you were referencing, like, but I feel like there's, there hasn't been a good, like, I mean, frankly, it's kind of hard to say that there's been a really good Sasquatch movie either, but there, it's a, like, mini genre. There's a lot of them. And there's Harry and the Hendersons. That was fine, you know? Yeah, yeah, the only good Bigfoot movies are the ones where they kind of, like, reframe him as this, like, lovable, you know, friend creature. That's, that's the biggest misstep of The Mummy 3, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. When they introduce yetis, but then they don't have the main yeti that's like nice to them be the Chewbacca of their group. Yeah, just be the be the buddy, be 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 the be the like Harry to uh, Brendan Fraser's fucking Hendersons. Uh, what's uh, uh, you said his name last episode? I did. I did the same thing on the last episode where I blanked on his name. Also, I remembered uh, Emilio John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Yeah, Emilio Lizardo, John Warfin. I got his quote wrong. Oh, I, I know. I know. I, I made. I did. I made the the quote wrong the first time as a pun, and then I forgot the actual line because it's "laugh while you can" a monkey boy. And you said but dance while you can, monkey boy. I said boy. dance because we were talking about Footloose. And then the second time I was about to say dance while you can. I was about to say laugh while you can, monkey boy. But I, it came out dance again. And you can hear it in my voice. Every time I say dance while you can, a monkey boy, I'm trying to commit to the bit. But internally I'm dying because I can't remember laugh while you can, a monkey boy. Yeah, somebody... Somebody somebody pointed that out in the Discord, and I said that I don't think that Dave has ever actually gotten a quote from anything 100% correct in his entire life. <laughs> well, I do know the line. However, my pun was so good that it fucked up my brain meats, and I couldn't do it right from then on. Yeah, but there's no, there's no line, there's no quote that you can make about a Jersey Devil thing, because they're just not, they don't really exist. 
Although the last broadcast is a, is a pretty interesting movie. I mean, how great would it be, though, if there was a trailer for the movie and it ends with the Jersey Devil goat man turning to camera and goes, he goes like, I guess you might as well just be running with the devil. Running with the Jersey Devil. I live my life like there's no tomorrow. All I had, I... Had to fuck the devil for. Like, imagine, like, it's it's CSI, but just starring the Jersey Devil. And it's called, like, New Jersey Major Crimes Unit. It's the Jersey Devil just solving crimes procedurally? Yeah, the, it's the Jersey Devil in hiding as a human. Oh, it's like, it's like one of those, it's one of those procedural shows with that high concept, like Psyched or iZombie, where it's like, I'm solving crimes, but I secretly have this power or whatever. But it's like, He's just the Jersey Devil, and he's like people think he's a regular guy, but it, but he's just like wearing like a mustache and a hat and a coat or something. Yeah, it's like a it's like a full it's a full animatronic goat head, but with like a novelty mustache on the front of it. He's wearing like one of those Groucho Marx glasses, and peep and he's just he's selling it like everybody just thinks he's a dude. I would watch New Jersey Crime Unit, New, New Jersey Major Crimes. I would watch that. MGMC, man. You watching MGMC tonight? Hell yeah, baby. That's CBS must-watch TV. There's just all these all these boomers who just love the show. And there's just like there's like 12 seasons of it, and every episode is just the same, but it's just about the Jersey Devil. And he's and it's like a really well done animatronic special effect. I love this idea. <laughs> I love this idea so much. Um I would hundred percent watch the New Jersey Major Crimes Unit. NBC, CBS, ABC, get at me. Let's fucking do this shit. William H. Macy is the voice of the New Jersey Devil. That That's perfect casting. <laughs> I would watch this show. I would watch this shit out of this show. Um, Spandrew, what are your closing thoughts on the Jersey Devil? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, admittedly, I think that the, the Jersey Devil isn't quite as uh, alluring as mothman or bigfoot i think there's not as much there um i and i think that it really does come back to the fact that like it's an interesting it's an interesting case study in how too much specificity kind of uh for lack of a better way of describing it it makes a cryptid or like some kind of myth mythology like not as scalable in our in our sort of like current fandom culture which we've talked about a lot that like everything is just fandom culture now it's just all about like communities of people splintering off into these hyper specific areas and then like realizing that they're not actually not that hyper specific. There's like millions upon millions upon millions of people who have that same exact interest to the point where you can have this like relatively niche thing become this massively popular thing. And that extends out into pop culture. It extends out into politics. It extends out into religion. And um, the, the, the key here, which a lot of people have realized at this point, uh, you know, if you go back to the QAnon episodes, uh, you know, it was discussed in length the fact that like the moment that QAnon took all of these conspiracy theories and made them kind of more generic and took out some of the specifics, took out some of the racism, like the overt racism and anti-Semitism. It kind of sanitized that a little bit, took out some of the like uh, the religious undertones of it. It blew up and became this cultural phenomenon uh the jersey devil just has too much of that stuff baked into it to where 
um, you know, it just it just never quite took off, I don't think. Um, but there is a, there is a pretty cool movie based on the Jersey Devil called The Last Broadcast, which I'd, I'd recommend checking out if it's like streaming somewhere. You know what they say? Can't spell broadcast without broad. So get your broad together. I that get your bros together. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And that's why coming this summer, the Deep Cuts Mystery Treehouse streaming service, Broad Cuts. <laughs> Broad cuts. We're having it. We'll have a whole list of original programming coming to the service for only fifty dollars a month. You get what was that show called? The New Jersey Major Crimes Unit. Yes, and that's it. Just that. We are still negotiating for the rights to Bacon and Legs and Bacon and Legs Miami Nights. There's a bunch of lawsuit lawsuit stuff going on with that since Spandrew's or uh, since Andrew's death. Um, and we also are in talks uh, to have the spinoff show uh, Garden City Crimes, colon, a New Jersey major crimes unit spinoff show. Yeah, there's going to be a crossover where Bacon and Legs are going to cross over with the Jersey Devil. But all that stuff is far off in the horizon. We have to solve these lawsuits for the time being. For $50 a month, you just get the one show. I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. This has been Deep Cuts. If you'd like to find me online, you can do so at heydavebaker.com where you can pick up my book, Halloween Boy, first issue, all done. Second issue, all printed. I have a bunch of them at my house. I'm taking pre-orders right now for Halloween Boy issue number due. Now with 100% less typos. <laughs> and now I'm going to send out uh, those second issues once I get back from Small Press Expo, which is where it will debut uh, if you're in the Bethesda, Maryland area, so the weekend of September 17th, come by, hang out, and uh, let's uh, let's talk about some comics and stuff. I'm going to be at Small Press Expo there at the Bethesda Marriott uh, in Bethesda. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. Spandrew, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me wandering listlessly, drenched in sweat, terrified, but also elated through the, the woods of New Jersey at two in the morning, searching, guided to some sort of source of longing that I can't even define, and yet I know that my true north is ahead of me. I wander out into a crossroads. I see him glistening under the moonlight, red skin, heat emanating off of it, forked penis dangling in the wind, Beelzebub himself, old scratch. He takes me into his arms, caresses me, reassures me by the rigidity of his body that all of my carnal desires will be met. And then he leans close and whispers in my ear, we go. Fuck. And you can't find me on social media because I don't use social media, but you can pay respects to the dear beloved Papa Pricey by buying his book, Deadbolt AI Private Eye. It's on his website, dapricerights.com. You can also find us on social media, on Facebook, Deep Cuts Podcasts. You can join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group by searching that. We talk about the show and make memes there. You can also join our Discord, bitly.com slash deepcutsdiscord, where we also talk about the show, make memes, and also talk about other things. You can join. You can follow us on Instagram at deepcutspod. You can follow us on TikTok at mysterytreehouse. You can go to our website, deepcutspod.com. You can click on the shop where you can get some merch, t-shirts, hats, so on and so forth with Deep Cuts graphics on them. You can get the Mystery Treehouse uh, Junior Sleuth shoulder patch. You can also get one of the last couple of simple code tape comics left. It's a, uh, t- a cassette release with a nine-track Napster musical written, uh, produced, and performed by Andrew and Dave. It also has a full-color five-page comic in it that was written by Papa Pricey and drawn by Brandon Ebbett and color covers by Shannon Willette. It's like two or three left. Still get them. Buy them up. 
Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content.